Hello there, our dear listeners. Welcome to the HSK Student Pod. This is Richard, your host from the HSK ATEC team. Thank you for joining us on episode 33 of the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. I hope you are all fine despite the busy schedules you may be having. I know this is the time of the year when everyone in HSK is so busy. Students have several assignments to submit, semester B exam season already started. Don't forget those students on placements, especially those in the final year, and a lot of marking for our teaching staff. So, lots of things going on in HSK. I know it's been very busy, but as usual, I'm not going to let you down. I have a packed and very special episode for you with the special guests who are going to share beautiful and empowering messages with us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 33 of the HSK Student Podcast. In today's podcast we want to celebrate International Day of the Midwife and International Nurses Day and we have some students from the Nursing and Midwifery programs joining us to share some messages about what they've experienced and why they wanted to become a nurse or midwife. These students' messages reflect what most students and staff feel about our decisions in being health and social care professions and we can be proud of those professions so I hope you enjoy those messages. We also have just a moment with SAS where Shipper from the SAS team will share a short message about exam preparation tips and also has an interview with Abu on some strategies for managing stress. Shipper and Abu's messages are very helpful particularly at this time of year when people are taking exams or starting new placements and might be feeling under a great deal of stress. And then we also have Jane Say joining us from nursing. She's a programme lead of BSc Nursing and she's talking about International Day of Midwife and International Nurses Day celebrations. And she has a special message for all HSK students. So we hope you can take a bit of time to listen to this podcast. I know everyone's busy at the moment with assessments and placements and so on, but hopefully you can have a few minutes to sit down and enjoy this student pod and learn more about what it means to be a midwife and nurse for these students. Thank you. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye. listeners. As part of our celebration of the International Day of the Midwife and International Nurses Day, we asked some HSK students to share a brief message that describes a moment that they have experienced which made them feel why they want to become a nurse or a midwife. Thank you, Richard, for having me. I would say reflecting back to this moment was when I was nine years old. I was at home when a friend of mom came in and asked if my mom was around, which unfortunately she wasn't. And But I could see the disturbance in her face. And I asked her, do you need some help? She told me she needed some kind of liquid food to give her son that was admitted in the hospital beside my house. And I told her to sit down. I made it, gave it to her, and she was so happy. When she was stepping out, she told me I should be a nurse. I smiled. I never took it to her because I was just nine years old. When she told me be a nurse, I didn't take her seriously because at that time I was so young. I didn't know what was entailing a nursing career. I went to the university and studied a course in chemistry. My dream was to study pharmacy, but I didn't get that course, so I studied chemistry. When I came back, I met my dad also diagnosed with dementia. I started to take care of him for two years before we lost him. And that's when I see that the passion of taking care of people 
start to manifest, even though I had that in me, but I start to see the importance of it. And um, that was when I, I had this passion. I think caring is something I can do in life. I start to check for the courses related to dementia, mental health condition. And I found that, that in the developed world, we've got um, courses that you could study and would help you manage the mental health condition properly. And that led me to check online and see the courses that I would be able to study relating to that field. And I checked and saw the University of Hertfordshire. And here I came to the University of Hertfordshire to study mental health nursing. Coming to the University of Hertfordshire, studying the courses and going to placement have made me see the importance of this course and how it relates to my career. It's been a great journey and um, I would say I just finished my placement yesterday and uh, I, I feel the satisfaction because even my mentor came and told me that yesterday I went on a visit and the service users were asking that where is Aisha and he told them that I'm in school to sign up something. So I feel this satisfaction that in few days I've been able to even impact on some people's uh, mental health. I'm really having that satisfaction regarding this cost. There will be ups and downs definitely when you're studying. I recently had one and uh, I sticked for support. I went to people I can speak to. I sent messages to my personal tutor who was willing to wanting to listen to me because being a mental health nurse also enables you to seek help when you need it. So you wouldn't have issues with your own mental health. Aspiring to be working in a healthcare environment, seek for help to also take care of your mental health because it's very important as you go along. These are the moments I reflect on and would want me to become a good nurse in the future. The highlight of my midwifery training so far would have to be caseloading. As student midwives at the University of Hertfordshire, we have the opportunity every year to caseload a woman and her family. So we follow her through her pregnancy. We go to all of her appointments with her. We are on call for when she's due to give birth and then we attend if we're able to. We follow her postnatally in the community as well. We go to her appointments until she's discharged to the health visitors. So I've had the privilege of caseloading three women so far. I was able to go to almost all of their community midwife appointments, their scans, their consultant appointments. I was able to be there for all of their births and then see them postnatally afterwards as well. It was amazing to have an insight into how their thoughts and feelings changed during their pregnancy as they prepared for their baby and then how they adapted afterwards as well when they had this new member of their family and processing their birth and how their birth went for them. It was amazing to be able to build a rapport with them. I really felt like I could make a difference, especially when it came to being there for them when they were giving birth. They all had very different births. And I feel like I took something away from all of each of them. I'd learned something new from each of them and being there for them. And that really highlighted to me why midwifery is for me. I'll never forget those families because of that experience that I was able to have and caring for them, particularly at their birth. I think one experience for me that stands out and reminds me of why I chose to become a nurse was the day when I took care of a patient in elderly care ward. And at the end of my shift, he looked at me and said, thank you for being so kind. And words can't explain how it felt that day, but it just reminded me that sometimes as nurses, and it's not just limited to nurses, it could be paramedics, physiotherapists, or anybody who is actively involved in patient care. In today's busy world in healthcare, it can be a lot for people to get very task oriented and not necessarily see the patient in front of them. We could get carried away with tasks and things that we need to do that we forget to see the patient for who they are. 
I was really happy that I got to do that and see that person and provide dignified care to him. That I was kind enough for him to mention it. And I think that in the spirit of international nurses and midwifery day, it's important to let everyone know that that tiny bits that you do, that extra mile that you go to provide dignified care goes a long way. So today I'd like to encourage everyone in HSK, irrespective of what profession that you practice, to see that patient and not just get task oriented, be kind, provide dignified care. And I hope that I continue to do this because that's one of the reasons why I decided to be a nurse. I remember back in Nigeria during COVID when, you know, the, the pandemic was at its very thickest, I would say people and families, you know, had to stay stuck together in a place on lockdown. And I remember that there were so many issues of domestic violence. People were not physically sick per se, but there was this underlying issue, you know, that made people just you know, yell at each other, you know, you have more issues than before. And then we knew that it was more than what the eyes could see. I remember a particular story at that time, even when some people were still going to work and a lady who was supposed to be, she was a banker in everybody's wildest imagination. She didn't have maybe a reason to want to worry. She drove a nice car. She had a nice family, had children, had everything you know, going for her. And then when the news broke, she had parked beside the, what we call the third Milan bridge. And then she packed a car and then jumped into the lagoon. It was later after that timeout, I knew that, oh, it, it was beyond what meets the eye. After seeing the sad story, and I also saw and read about different stories all over the world. I knew that I had to take this much more professionally. And in researching courses, I found out that University of Hertfordshire was offering the MSc Mental Health Nursing Program. I knew that I needed to come and take that course. And beyond that, even with all our assignments and everything I've learned so far, I know in one of those times when we're looking for research materials to use for the assignment, I read about that beat on Daniel Goldman's book. And when he talked about emotional intelligence and how amygdala hijack, you know, can happen to anybody, irrespective of the race, irrespective of the tribe, irrespective of, you know, whatever background the person has, it can happen to everybody because it's one very significant emotional response that can be immediate, just instant. And it can be overwhelming. It can wash over anybody in that instance, it just takes it out of measure that someone at that time may not be able to logically think about the next line of action. But the benefit of our listeners, the amygdala is that important part of the brain that assists in responses of fear or, or pleasure. It, it can assist in that flight or fight response. And in that instance, when it is hijacked, and that's when we say amygdala, amygdala hijack, when it is hijacked, at that point, the person might either fight or, or just flee. So and at that point, you would not know what you're going to do in that extent if you are that person. So the, your response may be to fight back and maybe take on more positive reactions, more positive approaches by finding coping mechanisms. Or unfortunately, like in the case of that lady, it could have been that the, the person may have just fled into the negative side of just jumping off the bridge. So what we're saying here is so that it can help all of us find that balance as to how to respond to all these things that come at us when we face difficult times, when your amygdala needs that help to be able to decide either to fight or to flee. Having looked at the theories around emotional intelligence and how amygdala hijack can be avoided, I think that we all need to find that coping mechanism, you know, to help us survive in these trying times and how to balance, you know, the work-life situation that we may find ourselves. This and other theories 
have you know strengthened my resolve to study mental health nursing at the University of Hertfordshire. And I believe strongly that once we find that coping mechanism that helps us all to thrive, it makes life more easier. It makes us be able to cope with our studies. It makes us be able to balance our work and life generally. And it makes us to find what works for us in order to maintain that health and sanity that we all truly deserve. In looking at all of this, I know that I'm a mental health student. However, in our school, there are many other students on other programs like adult nursing, child nursing, learning disability. We've got paramedic students, physio students, and so many other wonderful courses. We have the help and the support that we need. Let's just access this support. Let's just use the support that is available to us. There is no need walking this path alone. We've got all the support that we need, the social well-being support. You can reach out to your personal tutors, reach out to your friends and families, do something fun, even in the little time that we have. I know that it may not be so easy, but let's just find what works for us. These are the coping mechanisms that we need to be able to thrive as we journey through life. To everyone out there listening, please do not give up. There's only one way you can go. It's either forward or upward. Keep pressing towards your goal and you will get there because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Keep minding your minds. Have a good day. Welcome to Just a Moment with SAS. This is where all HSK students can receive updates on services offered by the SAS team, receive study tips and advice, and a chance to listen to interviews with our special guests. This is Shipa Begum, one of the tutors from the HSK Student Success and Academic Support Team, also known as the SAS team. Today, in the first half of this segment, I will be talking to you a bit about last-minute revision strategies and what you can do. And in the second half, I will be interviewing Abu'ullah, who is one of the tutors from the SAS team and also a coach on managing stress and anxiety, which will be particularly useful for those who have assessments and exams coming up. So let's get started. Some of the questions we are receiving now in our one-to-one drop-ins and in our appointments are all about how to prepare for exams, learn new revision strategies and managing stress and anxiety. Now, some of you have exams just around the corner, so I would like to share with you three revision strategies that you can use for the next few weeks in order to kind of prepare you for your exams. Tip number one, I would suggest that you use the traffic light system. So the traffic light system is a very useful way of identifying topics that you need to focus more on for your revision. Now, this really works if you can get hold of the schedule for, uh, let's say, your semester A or semester B module. So let's say if your lecturer has provided you with a schedule at the start of the semester, get hold of that and use that to identify topics that you are most comfortable with. All right. So let's say topics that you feel that you know a lot more of and you don't need to focus a lot of your time revising for. And you can highlight them in green. Okay. You can then identify topics that you know something about um, and you are not so confident on, but you may need to spend some time revising for. And then you would identify them and highlight them in, let's say, orange or amber. And then the topics that you are least comfortable with, that you feel that you don't know much about and that you need to focus a lot more of your time revising for, you can highlight them in red. And the ones that you'll be focusing most of your revision time on would be those highlighted red and highlighted amber. And obviously you would 
review your notes for the topics that you are most comfortable with, that you've highlighted in green, and probably spend a few hours just going through your notes. So what this does is that it provides you with some form of structure. You know what you need to revise more for and how you can use that time that you have to kind of focus on those particular topics. And you would feel less overwhelmed. So if you are currently feeling that you are revising for absolutely everything and that there's less time and you need to revise for every single topic that your lecturers have covered in the semester, then this is a really good way of structuring what needs to be your focus or you need to give more priority to. So that's the traffic light system. Now, moving on to tip number two, my advice is to produce a Gantt chart. So if you don't know what a Gantt chart is, I would recommend that you Google Gantt chart to see what it really is. It's really easy to create on Microsoft Word. And I personally really like using a Gantt chart because it provides you with a visual representation of how you can use the time that you have available to do certain tasks. Now, Gantt chart isn't something that is only restricted to exam preparation. You could also use this for assessments as well if you're planning your assignments and you want to know how you can use the time that you have available to prepare for an upcoming assignment. So how do you use a Gantt chart? So first of all, you would outline all the topics that you want to revise. So if we go back to the traffic light system, you may want to include all the topics that you have highlighted in red and amber, outline them um, as the topics that you would like to focus your revision time for. What you then do at the top is identify dates or days that you have left before the exam. You may want to write them all out. And what you then do is you look at the topics um, that you have listed that you would like to revise and dedicate days that you would like to focus on those particular topics. So let's say tomorrow I would like to revise topic A. And I may find that topic quite difficult. So I may say to myself that, okay, I'm going to revise for this particular topic for the next two days. Okay. And then I'll highlight or color code those two dates for that revision topic. And I would continue to do that with all the topics that I have listed in my Gantt chart. Now, as I have mentioned, it provides you with a visual representation of the time you have available. And again, you would feel less overwhelmed if you are struggling to come up with a timetable and know how you could use your revision time to focus on those topics. The Gantt chart would provide you with that control of your time. So that's the Gantt chart. And as I said, if you do this on Microsoft Word, it's really quick and easy to do than if you were to do that by hand. Now, my final tip is to practice. So practice previous exam papers in exam conditions. Uh, so that would basically mean timing yourself, avoiding any form of distractions and trying to complete the exam paper or practice exam paper under exam condition. And now this is really useful because it helps you to identify how much you can possibly write within that strict time frame. So that's quite useful as well. When writing or practicing, previous exam papers and under exam conditions, do you remember to leave time to plan your essay for the exam and also proofreading as well to give yourself time to proofread your work? And do you remember that for the exam as well, do you give yourself time to plan what you're going to write and do leave yourself enough time to proofread? Do not underestimate the importance of planning and proofreading. The last thing you want is to write something that is very difficult to read and the marker has a very hard time trying to understand what you are trying to say. So again, do leave time to plan and proofread in the actual exam, but also practice planning and proofreading in exam condition as well. Now, if you don't have access to previous papers, then make up your own questions. Go through what you have revised so far and produce your own questions and 
try to answer them in exam condition. Now, this is quite useful because it helps you to kind of see how much you know about the topic and what you are familiar with and what you are not so familiar with. So it helps you to kind of evaluate your revision. Now, for an added bonus, I would say to mark your own answers. So if you do have the marking criteria that your lecturer would be using or the marker would be using to assess your exam paper, get hold of that and mark your own work. See what kind of mark you would give yourself and why you would give yourself a certain mark. You may want to think about what you haven't addressed and what you need to do in the real exam in order to address those points. So this is really, really useful so that you kind of understand exactly what the markers are looking out for and you could try to address that as well. There are many benefits to practicing exam papers. As I have said, it helps you to kind of identify how much you can write within the exam condition or exam time. It helps you to kind of evaluate how much you know about the topic, but also it helps you to kind of overcome stress and anxiety if you are feeling very anxious about exams. It helps you to kind of become familiar with the exam condition. Hopefully you have found these three revision strategies useful and you'll be able to implement them regardless of how much time you have before the exam. Now, if you want to find out more about exam strategies, please do get in touch with the SAS team. Our email address is hsk.skills at hearts.ac.uk. Now, this takes us nicely onto the next part of the segment. As promised, we have with us Abu Ullah, a colleague of mine and also an excellent coach. He will be sharing with you tips and advice on managing stress and anxiety. So first of all, welcome to the podcast, Abu. How have you been? Hi, Shifa. I am doing well, thank you. Not bad. It's been a really good weekend. Weather has been been great. Had some good food, spent some good time with family and friends. So fantastic. Thank you for having me today. Welcome. Anyway, so in the drop-in and during our one-to-one appointments, I have started to see quite a few students asking questions around exams, preparing for their exams, revision techniques, and are feeling quite stressed and overwhelmed about the whole process. As you probably know that our students have a lot to do, to be honest. They have placements, they have assignments, and now they have exams. So obviously, they are generally starting to ask a lot of questions around this, which is why I thought it would be great to kind of have you on the show today to kind of learn from you. And obviously, our listeners can benefit from this. So starting off with the first question I have for you, what kind of tips and strategies can our listeners implement in order to manage their exam stress? So as you know, our students have a lot going on at the moment and they are most probably stressed. What kind of tips and strategies can you suggest to our listeners? Yes, I understand, you know, uh, a lot of our students obviously feel a lot of stress when it comes to kind of this time of year, whenever exam periods come along. One of the key things is, is that it's not about constantly revising without a break, Mm -hmm. which can make you feel emotionally and physically drained. So it's Mm -hmm. crucial that our students take time to step back and do something that they enjoy. So Mm -hmm. in this crucial exam period, it's very important that, you know, you also have good breaks where you're doing something for yourself, because at the end of the day, our brain, if you compare it to a laptop or a machine, if you're constantly doing the same thing, same thing, what happens to your laptop? It starts overheating, mm-hmm. it starts lagging. So it needs, just like our computers need to be turned off every now and then, our brains also need to kind of like just do something different for a little while, and then you can come back to your revising. So the key thing is making sure that you have enough breaks. So keep gaps between revision and make sure that you drink lots of water. It really helps. Try not okay. to stress mm-hmm. and revise the day before exams. That's one probably one of the worst things that you can do because that just adds to the stress, right? So you want to start planning your mm-hmm. revision ahead of time. And maybe rather than copying notes, you know, for some people, mm-hmm. it might be drawing mind maps or images to help you remember information. And the key thing is, you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Take mm-hmm. a deep breath, get an early night and do some meditation before bed. I really like the analogy that you use there. You're comparing revision and how, you know, we can overwork ourselves with like computers or laptops, et cetera. I do like that analogy. 
You did mention about taking breaks. How long of a break do you think a student should have or, you know, in order to kind of like rejuvenate themselves, do you think? I think often what happens is that our students, when we tell them to use the Pomodoro technique for revision, Mm -hmm. they often find that they're having far too many breaks and that they're not able to use the revision time effectively to revise. What would you recommend? Do you think the Pomodoro technique is something that they can improvise and use? Or do you think there is something else that would work much more effectively for them? If you're procrastinating, maybe, mm-hmm. or, you know, you're just, you know, finding it difficult to sit down and actually begin, because that's sometimes one of the mm-hmm. hardest things to do. So the Pomodoro definitely works there to kind of like get you going, get that, get that brain into that mode. And, yeah, I understand that, you know, obviously taking a break every 20, 25 minutes might not always be conducive to your studying method. So there's another technique as well, which is called flow time. So Mm -hmm. what flow time is a variation of Pomodoro in itself is that there is no time limit. So Mm -hmm. for example, you can, you know, study for half an hour, you can study for 50 minutes. And soon as you feel like your brain is wandering off, that's when you take a break. Mm -hmm. And now that break is dependent on, again, the student. You know, it could be a 10 minute break, it could be a 15 minute break. You just want to Get, get away from wherever you are revising either on your laptop or if it's on your iPad or if it's paper, whatever it is, you just want to take the focus away from there for 10 to 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But ideally, that is clearly down to the student itself. Everyone's going to have different methods of study. So mm-hmm. there isn't any kind of like right or wrong answer to say, oh, a 10 minute break is more beneficial than 15 minutes. That's mm-hmm. more down to the individual. And it depends on what activity that you're doing. So Coming back to the breaks, the essential thing is, is to, I'd say, you know, every hour you want to be having at least a good 10 to 15 minute break. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so if if you find it easier to kind of like, you know, study for 50 minutes and then take a 10, 15 minute break, then do that. And like I said, you can combine these techniques together. So as I was saying earlier, you can start off with the Pomodoro technique to get yourself going, and then you can switch to flow time, for example. Mm -hmm. It all depends on your own methods more than anything else. But the crucial thing is to remember to take breaks because without taking breaks, we're just overworking. And then what eventually happens is that the things that we're revising aren't actually going in as much because our brain Mm -hmm. is overworked. So it's not taking in that information that you're actually trying to give it. Absolutely. And I always feel that during the break time, it's really useful to kind of think about what you would like to do during that break so that you don't end up doing something that's going to take up a lot of your revision time. So something that I have done in the past is I'll give myself five minutes break, but I'll come back an hour later. So I've actually, you know, I've wasted my revision time. So what I always say to students now is that think about what you want to do during that break time. So for example, do you want to read a book? Do you want to get up, um, water your plants? So whatever it is, but as long as you know what you're going to do in that break, it will kind of motivate you to kind of come back to do your revision yeah yeah, absolutely having a reward and punishment Mm. system definitely Uh helps you know so for example oh i'm going to do 45 minutes of revision and then i'm going to have a 15 minute break in that 15 minute break i'm going to have some ice cream for example Mm -hmm. you know so setting yourself mini goals as well during revision also helps you know because at the end of the day we can't always be giving ourselves the stick we need to give ourselves the carrot sometimes as well and um, so, yeah, so again, like I said, it just depends on the, the student and what is working for them more than anything else. I know we've got a lot of students out there who also have families and things mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, it might be, okay, I'm going to do a half an hour, 45 minute study session, and then I'm going to go and quickly read a, a quick story to, 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 to one of my children, for mm-hmm. example. You know, so whatever works for you. In, mm-hmm. in, in, in either way, but like I keep coming back to, the key thing is, mm-hmm. is making sure that we do have breaks mm-hmm. uh, during our revision times and not just revision times, any, any study session, mm-hmm. it's essential to take a break so your brain gets the chance to kind of like rejuvenate yeah. within Absolutely. that break time. Absolutely, and thank you for that. So this takes us nicely to our next question, which is that during the exam, often students can start to feel quite stressed and overwhelmed. What could they do at that time? at that point while you're in the exam room you're under exam conditions you know you are very limited to as to what you can do for example you're not going to have your phone with you you can't you know turn your head around and speak to your peer that next to you 
So the key thing is, is, is actually getting and starting to do some breathing exercises. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and learning how to kind of like self-regulate your emotions. Because what happens is that, you know, when, when we're in stressful situations, such as exams and things like that, the stress takes mm-hmm. over a lot of brain power. And then when that happens, we're then kind of like, you know, not accessing, let's just say our memory, for example, as well as we could have if we were not stressed. So one of the things I would advise is, you know, to learn some breathing techniques mm-hmm. that you can do while you're in the exam, before you go into the exam room, once you sat down. And that is not, you know, going against any exam rules or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And what it will help you is regulate your emotions. And once we can mm-hmm. regulate our emotions, mm-hmm. we'll feel less stressed and we should be able to access our memory a lot better, which means and hopefully we can answer the question and finish the exam without being stressed too much. Thank you for that. This takes me nicely to the next question, which is that, you know, often our students, they can start to feel quite anxious, especially if they're worrying about exams. What would you recommend students can do to, in order to think positively about exams? Not just the exams. Mm-hmm. I would say what I'm going to say works in all walks of all of our lives, more than anything mm-hmm. else, right? And that's positive thinking and self-talk. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that positive thinking doesn't mean that you ignore less pleasant situations. Mm-hmm. Positive thinking just means that you approach unpleasantness in a more positive and productive way. So you think the best is going to happen and not the worst. Mm-hmm. So positive thinking starts with self-talk. Now, mm-hmm. self-talk is the endless stream of unspoken thoughts that run through our heads. Mm -hmm. These automatic thoughts can be positive or negative. Some of our self-talk comes from logic and reason. Other self-talk may arise from misconceptions that we have created because of a lack of information or expectations due to preconceived ideas of what may happen. So if the thoughts that run through your head are mostly negative, your outlook on life is more likely to be pessimistic. If your thoughts are mostly positive, you're likely an optimist, someone who practices positive thinking. Now, researchers continue to explore the effects of positive thinking and optimism on health. And the health benefits that positive thinking may include is increased lifespan, lower rates of depression, lower levels of distress and and pain, greater resilience, Mm -hmm. better psychological and physical well-being. Mm -hmm. And one theory is that having a positive outlook enables you to cope better with stressful situations which reduces the harmful health effects mm-hmm. of stress on your body. Thank you very much for that. So my last question is, what tip or strategy would you share with the students who haven't started their revision? So, so far in the first segment of the podcast, I shared with students that they can use the traffic light system to identify the topics that they want to revise or focus more on. They can yep. use a Gantt chart to allocate or identify how much time they have available and how they would like to use that to revise and the importance of using practice papers in exam condition. What kind of exam strategy would you like to suggest our students to do who haven't started their revision due to placements or other assignments? Some of the things that you've already spoken about, Shiva, are really great. And, um, you know, those are strategies that I would have mentioned myself, but you've already beaten me to that. One of the tips I would suggest is obviously what are we trying to do here? What is the purpose of revising for an exam, sitting an exam and everything like that? It's about putting our learning into our long-term memory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the strategies that can help with enabling us to put things into our long-term memory, because, you know, it's not just about accessing this memory for the exam. It's about being able to use this once we graduate, once our students graduate and go and use it in their workplace as well. So one of the things is that obviously, you know, once you've used the traffic light system or any Mm. other things that you've suggested is obviously going over your notes before you go to sleep. Because what Mm. we're trying to do is trying to, as I was saying earlier, trying to put things into our long-term memory. So you revise your notes that you've kind of like, you know, spent most of the day, let's just say, revising. And so you go over your notes just before you go to sleep. Then once we're asleep, what our brain is doing is trying to file away all that information into our long-term memory. And then once you've woken up, one of the first things you want to do is go over those notes again a couple of times. And then what we're doing is we're reinforcing 
that information into our long-term memory. So you want to look at your notes that you've revised, you know, throughout the day, just before you go to sleep. Overnight, that will hopefully start going into your long-term memory. Then you want to revise that again, first thing in the morning, just to reinforce that. That's one of the strategies that I would give to some of our students who maybe, for whatever reasons, have not been able to start as soon as they have liked to. Yeah, definitely. And I think I could see how this could work as well. 15 years ago, when I've done exams, I've done something similar. But instead of reviewing notes, I would actually record myself as part of my revision um, and then just listen back to those recordings. And that would kind of help me to kind of reinforce the learning or my revision as well. So I think the key thing here is find something that you are comfortable with. Absolutely. Um, and you know, if you don't have enough time to revise, don't try anything new. Don't try to explore different revision strategies. Just go with the one that you feel most comfortable with or mm. you know that actually works for you. Exactly, yeah. As you said, Shifa, you know, if, if you're starting your revision a little bit later than, than you would have liked to or later than you had planned, obviously you might not be in a position to be able to try new things or, you know, new methods of revision. So obviously, as you said, stick to the methods that you already know. But for the future, for especially mm -hmm. for our students who are in their first year or their second year, you know, you want to obviously start revising a lot sooner. You know, you get your exam timetables quite early on. So create a revision timetable. And within that, that's where you have time to try and figure out what works best for you. Right. As you were saying, like, for example, for me, when I was doing my undergrad and everything, which was like eons ago, I used to love flashcards. Flashcards and past papers were my favorite things for exams. But for some of my peers, they like doing mind maps. They like doing group working. And like yourself, you know, some of them like recording themselves and then playing it back to them to, to kind of reinforce and to hear back what they actually know. So there are various different methods out there, you know, mm -hmm. trial and error will help you find the one that works best for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Abby, for coming on You're welcome. the podcast. Always yeah, a pleasure, I, Shifa. It was a pleasure having you, to be honest. And um, we really appreciate your time that you've taken up to speak to our listeners. So listeners, hopefully you have found this interview very useful. This is all from us today. As usual, do remember to make use of the SAS team. We are here to help you with your academic skills and assist you in getting the most out of your study. Do check out the HSK Academic Skills Advice site. And if you would like to contact us, please send us an email to hsk.skills at hearts.ac.uk. Thank you for listening again and do take care of yourself and goodbye for now. Goodbye all. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the HSK Student Board. It's nice to have you here. Hi, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really looking forward just to saying a few words for the HSK Student Pod. You've invited me because it's International Nurses Day, which is the 12th of May. That's this very special day in the nurses' calendar. The reason that it's the 12th of May is it's the date of Florence Nightingale's birth. And it's always celebrated on this day each year. And it's not just based in the UK. It is an international event. I wanted to say a little bit about how I got into nursing. As a programme leader for nursing, I started my nursing career 40 years ago this year. And in fact, I'm going to meet my old friends in Liverpool in September to celebrate that. There's been massive changes in nursing even in that time. I'm the fourth generation of nurses in my family. So my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father and myself have all been nurses. So I've always been around nurses, new nurses growing up. I came into contact with patients and service users and people as I was growing up, particularly in psychiatric care, because that's where my grandparents and father worked. So I always had a sort of affinity to nurses and I always wanted to help people. This year for International Nurses Day, this is going to be very much focused on the future of nursing and speaking to student nurses on our programme and other health professionals because it's about the future of all health professionals and what we can do to change and make for better health across the UK and globally. I want to just say a few words about that. In terms of the future of nursing and healthcare, 
it's really important that we've got a very united and strong voice in nursing moving forward. It's important that nurses coming through our programmes understand that they need to come together, they need to speak as one, and they need to speak for their profession. They need to show that their profession is really important wherever the nurses are in the world in terms of delivering great care, in terms of changing health outcomes and improving health outcomes across a nation or even globally. And in delivering care, that can really happen through action and change by nurses. So I hope in moving forward and the nurses that are going to qualify and health professionals from our, all our programmes in HSK, that they feel through their training and experiences and time at the University of Hertfordshire, that they've got that power and that voice to take nursing forward into the next 40 years for them, like the last 40 years for me. My final message to each nurse an allied professional student listening is that you've had and learnt a lot from your training here at the University of Hertfordshire. And I'm reflecting on the last 40 years of my career. I would like you to now think about the next 40 years and how you can unite to make changes in the future, not only yourself, but with other healthcare professionals to improve care and health outcomes as you go through your career. So thank you very much, Richard, for the time to do this. Thank you. I wish to thank all our guests that have spared their valuable time to take part in this episode. Starting off with our lovely students, Bethany, Ololonke, Vivian and Aisha. Wow, thank you very much for opening up and for sharing those beautiful, empowering and personal experiences which made you feel why you want to become that future nurse or midwife. I am sure all our listeners have been touched and loved listening to your personal stories. Olulonke, wow! Thank you for educating us by introducing to us that emotional response you refer to as Emigdala Ijak. I am sure I've not pronounced it well, but I know lots of our listeners will be keen to read more about it. So, for the benefit of our listeners, this is how you spell amygdala hijack. A for apple, M for mother, Y for yes, J for golf, D for delta, A for apple, L for lima, and A for apple, that is amygdala. Then the second word, which is hijack, is H for house, I for India, J for gems, A for apple, C for car, and K for Kate. So, amygdala hijack. So, it's two words. So, a task for all our listeners in HSK. Read about this emotional response called amygdala hijack. Also, would love to hear how you pronounce it. So, that is a task for you. Bethany, Olonke, Vivian and Aisha. Indeed, your shared messages is a good way of celebrating the International Day of the Midwife and International Nurses Day. Thank you all for taking part in this episode. Don't forget, Connie, thank you for that lovely introduction to the student segment. Shipa and Abo, thank you very much for the very useful information about exam preparation tips and the strategies for managing stress. These are key areas for many of our students. I'm sure our student listeners will find your message very useful. Dear student listeners, as Shipper said, if you need some help in improving your academic study skills or those stress-related issues that Abu spoke about, please 
do get in touch with the DSAS team. You are also encouraged to visit the DSAS team website where you will find lots of useful resources to help you with your academic study skills. Dear Jane, thank you for taking your time to come to speak to our listeners and for empowering our future nurses, midwives and the allied professionals. Also need to thank Laura, our associate dean for learning and teaching and student experience. Thank you, Laura, for your contribution to this episode. Thanks to all our guests. It's always a pleasure to have you on the HSK Student Pod. I also need to thank all other anonymous students and staff members who have made this episode to be a success. Thank you all for your support and creative ideas. As we come to the end of this podcast, I just need to say it's been a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. Please do get in touch if you wish to be part of any episode or have an idea of what you want us to cover in future episodes. Dear HSK Streampod listeners, look after yourselves and your loved ones. I wish you all good luck in all those tasks you are undertaking, whether you are a student or a staff member. I hope everything you do in May goes well for you. Don't forget, good luck for all our final year students who are undertaking or soon to start their management placements. You're almost there. Good luck. Thank you for joining us and for being part of this episode. Bye-bye from Richard, your host, and join us in our next HSK Student Pod, which will have something fresh and new to listen to. everyone out there listening, please do not give up. There's only one way you can go. It's either forward or upward. Keep pressing towards your goal and you will get there because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Keep minding your minds. Have a good day.